what is the crack everyone so we are moving on to episode number four i think this one i'm going to be briefly touching on supplements uh, purely because i don't think for the majority of people that it requires any lengthy conversation just yet i think we forget that supplements in themselves are the icing on the cake with regards to having a solid base of nutrition and understanding calories, protein intake, macronutrients, micronutrients, meal timing, um, and getting a handle on your own relationship with food first before you start to think about using supplements and which ones work, which ones don't, which ones are just a marketing ploy to try and get you to to part with your hard-earned cash which for the majority of them that's exactly what they are and it can be difficult too sometimes because you can get drawn into the marketing and the sales around supplements as opposed to what actually works and i can say that from the perspective of someone who previously would have um when i was i suppose before i knew um what i know now I definitely would have been someone who um, was very quick to to get caught up in the whole, oh, I need to have that because of this with regards to my training, whatever it was. Um, And I think even when I started to learn a little bit more about it, it almost got worse initially because now I was starting to understand or learn about these um, substances that were found in certain supplements that had some sort of effect and because I thought I knew about them I was like oh well they must work and I think that's the the hardest part as well is just detaching yourself from getting caught up in those uh, marketing techniques just to to latch on to one or two of the um, ingredients that might work and they I suppose extrapolate data which may or may not corroborate its effectiveness in regards to certain um, outcomes and and hopefully from this i'll probably have to address the ones that definitely don't work but for today's one we're just going to talk about the ones that actually do work the ones that are worth actually investing some money in and the ones that should be part of a not so much of a routine but to as a top up to kind of get a little bit more out of your training so i'm going to make the assumption that you as an individual are um training regularly whether that's for field sports sports performance or from a body composition point of view it doesn't really matter for today's episode which is good and you have a handle on um energy balance you you have a decent relationship with food um and you are trying to figure out if there's something that you are missing to try and take it to the next step and that's the biggest assumption that i can make because an awful lot of people don't have that and they skip that stage of the learning process with regards to training and nutrition they jump straight to the supplements and they miss out on all this um progression that they might get because they've jumped straight in at the deep end thinking that these supplements are going to be the ones that are going to change their life 
and um, put them in a better position, which really isn't the case. For today's um, brief episode, I'm going to take three because I think three plus maybe one or two more um, that actually do work. Ones that I would suggest going about um, even researching yourself for for a bit more information if you want to. Don't just take my word for it. Um, because again, it'll give you a little bit more of an insight and the more knowledge you have about these things for yourself, um, even better. The, the main one, um, number one is going to be whey protein. And this should be incorporated, I think, after you've spent a prolonged period of time trying to increase your protein intake through, um, actual real food first and I say that because I think especially as coaches we can become quite quick to suggest to take away protein for someone to hit their protein intake rather than spending a little bit more time trying to coach individuals um, and athletes into a position where they they have a better understanding of which foods have higher protein content and um, it's very easy for us to just turn around and say well you have to hit X amount of protein on, an, on a regular basis. You're only hitting this amount and you need an extra 30 to 40 grams to get yourself to that mark. And we're very quick then to say, okay, get yourself away protein, um, bump those numbers up and go from there. Whereas, like I said, you should try and spend a little bit more time just exploring different options with regards to actual food and meals that you can put together to try and bump those numbers up a bit more and then look at implementing or introducing some sort of whey protein. From the viewpoint of how it actually works, um, whey protein is bar creatine, which is next, um, is, is very, very well um, researched and documented and the, there is little to no evidence against using it. The thing with whey protein is that it's going to stimulate muscle protein synthesis um, almost immediately um, when you take it. So it's just a, a brilliant way of increasing your total protein intake, but also you could use it um, in the grand scheme of things that looking at the whole, the whole picture of your nutrition, use it if there's going to be a, a sustained period of time where you actually can't gain access to food so whether that's you're at work and you've got a you don't have breaks or you've only got a specific number of breaks and there's a, a long period of time between them um it works really well to, to go in there and to fill a gap obviously post training to stimulate the recovery process it's excellent for that we all know that as well and it, there's very few um downsides to implementing or introducing a whey protein shake into your into your routine the only couple that you could find is that some people do when they start taking a whey protein they can get some gastrointestinal issues um, and digestive problems just regards to actually breaking down um, and digesting the whey protein itself so it can it can sometimes not agree with someone the you can you can mix it with water you can mix it with milk if you mix it with milk it's going to be a higher protein content um but again you run the risk then of, of maybe running into those digestive issues but that's just where you have a little bit of 
more awareness around it and you if you do run into those problems then just document it and if it's a persistent issue then maybe it's not for you and maybe you got to think of other ways to reach your protein target without um using a whey protein the other thing then you could use then is the the new clear way from my protein excellent um alternative to using a whey um a the actual powder based this one mixes more like water which is excellent again you don't get that bloated feeling from taking this one that you do if you take a normal whey protein shake which is excellent especially if you're someone who is maybe in a bulking phase and you're trying to push calories and up your protein intake and you find that having the whey protein shake actually makes it harder for you to consume the amount of calories that you need to be in a calorie def or calorie surplus sorry and that's one of the trade-offs again that you got to think about from a practical point of view that might just be um where you implement the clear way instead and loads of different flavors and i do um use both so again for that reason i'll use the the way um the regular way in the morning maybe after a session and then i'll have the clear way in the middle of the day to up those numbers because i'm up from half five until maybe 10 so it's a long period of day where i don't want to not have um a protein source but without the I suppose the necessity to actually have a meal and that's where when you are in a fat loss phase that it can help too so you can get your protein intake up without actually having to have a, a large meal and have that feeling of um, bloatedness on top of that as well so um, and then you look at actual intake so you're looking at, I would say, for most people, one serving a day. You get the question quite a lot of times um, whether you can have more than one a day and whether you should take it on training days or non-training days. Things like this, if you are using it um, and it is part of your routine, I would just say take it um, every day because it just increases your um, habitual protein intake anyway which is a net positive for most people on non-training days then it really doesn't matter when you take it because obviously it's on a non-training day so you can pretty much um, use it whenever you want you could take it in the morning so that you actually get that protein feeding first thing in the morning or if you know that there's going to be a gap in the day you could again use that as a filler in the day on training days then take it after your training session in regards to timing then in the grand scheme of things again it's not a um, be all end all if you don't take it within an hour but you want to be taking it and drinking it as close to the end of the session as possible just for just a good routine to get into rather than because I'm guilty of it as well, is if you don't take it within the first maybe 15 to 45 minutes, you kind of forget about it. And you're like, oh, you almost sink into this, oh, what's the point attitude? And, and that you just 
it's just a good routine to get into to take it as soon as you finish your training session and that's it looking at about 20 to 40 grams per serving um i think if you look at the actual serving size i could get this wrong but you're looking at probably 0 0.3 to 0.6 grams per kilo of body weight per um, serving and um, that is to essentially try and maximally stimulate protein synthesis the branched chain amino acid leucine is the key almost the igniter um for muscle protein synthesis so we do need to break a threshold with that leucine content and leucine content for a whey protein usually sits around 0 0.3 to 0 0.6 grams per kilo of body weight using myself an example again so 990 um, by um, 0 0.5 so you're looking at a probably like 45 grams roughly at a maximum level and 25 27 grams roughly from a minimum so usually one scoop is about 25 grams anyway um so you're looking at a scoop and a bit or two scoops depending on, on if it's going to be a long day the thing to think about then just with regards to that actual leucine comment i made is it's harder to then figure out if the new myoprotein clearway has the same amino acid profile as the regular way i actually when i got it first obviously thought it was a great idea i tried to get in contact with them to find out if it was the same just because you're making the assumption straight away that 25 grams of the clear way is going to be the same as 25 grams of regular way and it may not be that um, straightforward. There might be some slight differences. And from a, a total protein intake perspective, it's not a big deal. But for someone who's in a muscle building phase and everything else is is on like on point, you're then looking to the minor things like timing, protein timing, and the actual amount of protein and, and switching on the things that we need to switch on at the right times, which is where worrying about the leucine content actually comes into effect. So that's just one thing to think about. I haven't followed up on it anymore, but I will try to. But with regards to whey protein, that is pretty much it. Um, 25 to to 40 grams per serving um, once a day take it on non-training days as well um, but try to get as much protein into you as you possibly can through re through actual food if you're getting into the stage where you're actually having like two protein shakes a day to make up for that then that is a separate issue and that's something that should be addressed um but yeah, that's it. I don't think too much on that. If you've got any questions um, on whey protein, do, do get in touch and we can explore it a little bit further. But hopefully that clears up for the most of them. Moving on to number two then is creatine. Briefly touched on it the one in episode two, I think, on the quickfire one. This is just to give you another overview because you get questions about this all the time. And anybody who's listening to this 
and you're trying to get into the coaching side of things, you will be asked this question on multiple occasions every day for as long as you're coaching. Um, it's just one of those things that just gets skewed and people get a horribly wrong. Creatine is found in the muscle cells, um, all cells in fact. It's the primary source. ATP is your actual energy source for your muscles and your cells to do the things that it needs to do. The fastest way of providing the ATP for your muscles to do these things is through the phosphocreatine. And that lasts for two to eight seconds depending on how trained you are after that then you start to look at the glycolytic um, energy pathways i won't talk about too much but you can actually i've i've written a couple of articles on this on the website so go and check them out it will give you a little bit more of an in-depth view at this but essentially what creatine or supplementing with creatine will do then is it will increase the intramuscular um, concentration of these um, of creatine which is going to improve your body's ability to resynthesize ATP for um, actual muscle action so for example if you're doing an explosive action like a sprint and you're depleting your ATP reserves in a regular person for argument's sake it might take two minutes to recover and to replace them so that you're in a position to redo that same effort at near enough the same intensity for someone who's on who's taking uh, creatine and it's part of their routine and their creatine levels are saturated, then it, it brings down the recovery time and it also improves the actual output from that specific action as well. So you've got twofold and there's loads of other ways in which is it, which it helps as well. But what you're then looking at is um, increased outputs, decreased time to fatigue, decreased time to recover between bouts and increased um, or decreased recovery time between sessions as well. So you've got all those going on. Um, It's just going to make you stronger, recover better, um, physically bigger because you'll be able to handle more training volume, which will then lend itself to um, a better outcome from your your training sessions. Um, You'll have more energy from a doesn't just improve you from a sports performance point of view, but also from a like a quality of life as we age. Naturally enough, one of the biggest things around aging is actually um, loss of uh, muscle mass. So as you get older and you're not training, you will become weaker as an individual, which will then decrease your quality of life because you'll actually be reliant on um, a walking aid, um, someone else to help you get up out of a chair and things like that which you really do not want um i can't imagine anybody being too happy of being reliant on someone um in their late 60s and early 70s 
Um, at least I'm, <laughs> I won't be. And from a, a cognitive perspective as well, the, the brain requires fuel as well. And there is um, plenty of research out there which will lend itself to better focus and better retention of information in the short term, which is great. Um, and it, and it, I really find it difficult to how anybody could still be against it. With when you're looking at how, when, and how much I've said this before, for anybody who's not going to consider cycling it, you don't have to, but there's maybe times where you might suggest someone does, maybe just out of um principle or out of just a um preference to do so. Um, I would if someone's not cycling and you're just gonna take it, five grams every day all the time for the rest of your life very simple put it in a spot where you know where it is where you can't miss it where you can't forget whether that's in your gear bag beside your coffee wherever it is doesn't matter put it somewhere where you know as soon as you see it you have to take it mix it with water doesn't matter just get it into your five grams that's it job done continue taking it it will take longer to saturate in the cells it's going to take up to about 30 days roughly if you're going to go down that road um, which isn't a bad thing it just it takes longer to get the 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 visual um and the psychological benefits from actually knowing that it's working um if you are going to go through a loading phase if you're going through a loading phase then typically what people do is they do cycle off it um periodically um again i can't really see why you would because you don't need to maybe just from a psychological perspective to take out some of the supplements so it doesn't feel like such a chore to take it all the time but we don't, we're not really gonna get into that um then you're looking at the loading phase which is about three to five days long where you're looking at taking about 20 grams a day for three to five days and it saturates the creatine in the cell much quicker and you get the almost initial benefits from it within five days so that's the biggest difference if you are um cycling off it, there's no specific time where you have to cycle off it. Um the the one the two even just thinking about it now, um I actually can't I find it hard to suggest um cycling off it because it's not like people have this opinion that when you stop taking creatine you're gonna lose all your um, gains you won't um you will f almost psychologically feel that you're weaker but that's not the case um it's just it's hard because if especially if you're if you're a sports athlete um and you think about the benefits it gives you in the off season when you're primarily focused on like fixing your weaknesses but mainly um strength and size during the off season then you start to move into um late off season into pre-season and the creatine is going to help you tolerate a higher training volume especially when you start going back to training on the pitch and combining that with gym sessions it is going to be massively beneficial throughout the whole of pre-season when you're trying to build um, robustness during that period of time it's going to massively benefit you then you move into kind of the transition period into your kind of like challenge games same idea 
it's going to be of benefit to your performance during those times so you wouldn't cycle off it then and then in competition it's the whole goal of competition is to be successful and then if you're cycling off it and you're losing the benefits from that so when you think of it like that in the grand scheme of things it actually doesn't make any sense to stop taking it um and yeah that's that's pretty much all on that similar to that one if you've got any deeper questions i might actually um take one episode and try and go deeper into it from just take it as a whole um invite someone on who knows more about it than i do and explain how it's probably one of the greatest things you'll ever implement into your routine from a a nutrition perspective but we are now going to move on to number three number three is caffeine um caffeine one of my favorites um, and i'm talking caffeine as a supplement and not um caffeine through the form of coffee because it's slightly different and there's actually less caffeine in coffee than we'd like to think i'm talking about a store-bought coffee now not one you make yourself at home because you can dose it up depending on how um strong you like it i think from an espresso shot is anywhere between 40 and 80 milligrams of caffeine but there is loads of health benefits on top of um the benefits from caffeine um with coffee but i won't address any of them now because it's just not for the this topic um caffeine in itself doesn't actually give you energy it gives you the the feeling that you are more energized what it actually does is um receptors in the brain um adenosine receptors that are actually responsible for um promotion of sleep and when you ingest caffeine the caffeine molecules actually bind to these receptors and they have the opposite effect on them so they actually um, promote arousal and wakefulness so you actually it's not like you take in carbs which actually give you the fuel for for activity caffeine actually essentially tricks you into thinking that you've got energy which you don't um in a roundabout way um but there's a couple of different ways in which it can be beneficial for you you can take it in low doses so when you dose it um i think within i think it's one to three milligrams now that's milligrams not grams so there was actually a study done where they um this is dreadful news by the way um they did a study in america somewhere and they got the doses wrong um so instead of dosing with three or one to three um say milligrams per kg they actually dosed it with one to three um grams per kg something like that anyway someone got it wrong um and you can then um understand that it's not a a pleasant feeling and i think there was a case where um somebody actually died during a study because someone got it wrong and they in they ingested too much caffeine so just to be aware of when i'm actually now talking about the values i'm talking about micrograms and not grams so one to three milligrams 
per um, kg of body weight. So it's relative to your body weight. For me, use me as an example again. So that's 90 to 270 um, milligrams. I'd be inclined to, to sit on the lower end with this for this specific reason. So with the lower doses, you actually get an increase in fatty acid mobilization. So it allows you to free up the fatty acids into the blood, which will then be used for energy production during, I suppose, in exercise that um, is of lower intensity. So walking, um, steady state running at a very, very slow pace. And where your heart rate is staying in that kind of like, um, aerobic just after aerobic zones so you're talking maybe anywhere between 90 and 120 beats per minute maybe slightly less but it will help increase or mobilize um, fatty acids into the blood for that in terms of the higher doses then you're looking at things like nine milligrams per kilo of body weight for for very large individuals and for individuals who have a high tolerance for caffeine as well you know yourself if you're very sensitive to it you're going to sit on the lower end for people who um you don't have to be a, a habitual coffee drinker to be um i suppose to, to need you can be a habitual coffee drinker and be sensitive to caffeine um and you could like never really drink coffee but still need the higher doses but it's more um something you need to just um experiment with yourself start at the lower doses and work your way up with looking at the influence of caffeine on explosive field sport performance you're looking at the higher doses from a a physical and a cognitive benefit as well because if we are more if we've got a higher state of arousal and a higher um, state of focus or skill set and our ability to perform high level skills should be slightly improved and I was looking at a, a couple of research articles a few days, it was a few days ago, um, and they did show that caffeine in itself from a kind of a skill perspective had little to no impact on non-trained individuals, whereas there was a positive effect on the skill set during um, team sports of um, higher trained. So it had more of an effect on the cognitive side of things than it did from the physical side of things. And that's another thing to, to be cognizant of as well. Um, when you're looking at actual dosing and, and when to take it, like I said, I explained a few minutes ago, you do need to experiment with it. You do need to find where your sweet spot is, where your um, tipping point is for having too much because it, it, it is such a fine line. Some people can be um very sensitive to low doses and some people can take incredibly high doses and not really get the benefits from them with the the higher doses actually using it as a as a performance um enhancer and a and a supplement to improve performance you can take it a couple of ways my favorite way or not my favorite way but my most preferred way is actually powders you can buy caffeine anhydrous 
um, which is just the powder form of caffeine. And I've had it before where it's a really tiny scoop and you can, it's a very bitter taste off it as well. And I've used it before when I've actually made my own pre-workouts. And for the majority of people, I probably wouldn't suggest that because it can be very easy to miss dose um, caffeine, which you don't want. I started doing that when I was, I have a high tolerance for it and with very specific games um, or periods of time where I've actually used that. You can get um, caffeine gum, which are probably would be the preferred option for me to prescribe it to someone in, as part of a training program. Purely because the, the doses in the chewing gum are actually quite low as well. I think they're about 50 to 60 milligrams per, per gum. And because it's in the mouth, it actually gets taken up quite quickly because they're close to the, the cheeks and the, the, the cells at the cheek are actually quite thin. So it gets um, into the bloodstream quite quickly that way. And you can get away then with taking a little bit more. So because you know that's 50 milligrams, you could take one half an hour before the game. You could take one at the start of the game and then another one maybe um, at halftime, depending on what your tolerance is like and how you've set up um, that protocol. But it does take a bit of work to figure out what's the best way to go about it. Um, but or not, it is, it's definitely one when you come into actual competitive games where you it's going to be positive and it's going to bring about a, a decent improvement in performance as well but it has to be it's not like a whey protein where you can kind of take it once whenever and you either continue taking or you don't the the caffeine one needs to be taken uh, seriously from a, a almost train yourself to use it properly so use it in training start with low doses um think about the timing of using as well because caffeine has a half-life of about six hours like three to six hours so if you're essentially if you're taking 200 milligrams which is normal for a kind of monster maybe at 6 p.m there's 200 milligrams in it by 12 p.m or 12 a.m sorry at night time in the morning um it, there's still 100 milligrams roughly still in your system um now there's people who will um kind of process it and break it down a lot quicker but for the majority of people you're looking at about six hours so you don't want to be taking caffeine late at night um to get a better session for it then to impact your sleep and your recovery and subsequent sessions because you're just robbing peter to pay paul then so you're getting a really good session on a monday night late but then you're sleeping terribly on the Monday. You're cranky in a bad mood all day Tuesday. Poor session on the pitch on Tuesday. And then it just feeds into the rest of the week and you're playing catch up. So that's another thing just to be aware of. You don't want to be sinking into that. Kind of being reliant on it either. Which is why having the, the chewing gum is, is a good alternative instead of the powder because you know you can you can accurately guess how much you're you're taking in um every time as well so that's that's caffeine and a, and a broad overview um 
But as far as supplements go, really, they're the only three. Maybe a multivitamin. Um, if for someone who is deficient or, or not enough veg and fruit in their diet, um, maybe multivitamin, maybe some vitamin D sometimes. Um, additional extras off the top of my head and ones that I've suggested to either clients or even with the, the Dune lads last year. You'd be looking at um, carbohydrate gels. So for longer games or during last year when the championship was very condensed, you're playing three championship games back to back, back to back weekends. So carbohydrate gels can be used to just give you that extra bit of energy either during the game or to stimulate the recovery process quicker after games. Diorolite was one that we implemented um with the majority of our players last year whether it was in a pre-match routine or if it was at half time just to help replace the electrolytes at half time and to try and avoid dehydration and to promote rehydration as fast as possible after games and as well and during training Diorolite again is one that you should probably experiment with and train yourself to um take it because if you're not not used you can you do run into some digestive issues and things like you know drinking diorolite sachet in water and it's not ice cold can be incredibly difficult to drink because it's salty and it just it's very uncomfortable um magnesium spray for a promotion of good quality sleep and cramping is one i know um loads of people have tried it and gotten really good results from using it um so that's one that you could maybe experiment with if you're someone who's a poor sleeper now that's not to say you can go and take caffeine late at night and use magnesium two or three hours after to promote sleep because that's not how it's going to work um casein is basically a slower form of whey protein in the sense that it doesn't stimulate muscle protein synthesis in the same way that whey protein does it lasts over a prolonged period of time and you can start to use it maybe at night time if you are having two shakes in the one day then have your whey protein after training and then have your casein at night that's a way you could do that um otherwise outside of that the the cost to benefit ratio from the majority of supplements is quite poor you're spending an awful lot of money for not an awful lot of results when you go back through them you get a kilo of whey protein for 20 euros and it would do you 20 30 servings so again a full month a 500 gram bag of creatine will cost you less than a tenner and you'll have that for weeks a packet of caffeine gum will cost you very little as well so you're looking at trying to get a monthly stack for about 40 euro of stuff that's actually going to be effective and pro provide the um benefits to you that you actually need for the money that you're paying um outside that then you're looking at pre-workouts i'm massively guilty of buying into pre-workouts i just it, there's certain ingredients in them that work certain ones that don't but in terms of supplements that if you woke up tomorrow and you actually had to go out and buy some, then 
the ones that I've suggested there are the ones to go after um, because they work. The research is there to support them and there's very little anybody can say to suggest otherwise. Whereas with the other ones and the additional extras, there's kind of caveats there for maybe not needing it, but we won't get into, I don't want to get into some of them yet because I want to actually save um, one of the episodes I'm actually going to talk about kind of pre-match, um, I suppose, nutrition and pre-match routines that we've actually implemented ourselves with doing that have been quite successful. And, and even those, some of my own clients and some of those things actually come into, so like the, the diorolite and the carbohydrate gels, we can start to talk a little bit more about them and their, their efficacy with regards to improving performance. Um, but yeah, that's for the majority of, of you who are actually listening to this, that's all you really need. That you can start to talk about things like um beta aniline potentially having some <clears throat> excuse me, some space in a um supplement routine, maybe. Um sodium bicarbonate is one that's starting to kind of crop up every now and again but we're still not 100% sure of whether it's um, fully beneficial for people but it's about picking what works and picking what's cost effective picking the the best brand in the sense of its actual manufacturing so you're getting the most out of it so when you look for creatine actually go and look for ones that have the Crea Pure mark on it. That's just a almost a trademark symbol for um, batch-tested um, creatine. Um, it does cost a little bit more, but you're nearly guaranteed it to be good stuff. Um, and then outside of that, you should just invest the rest of the money that you were thinking about investing in um, supplements in food and the rest of it in a coach to teach you how to actually eat properly and implement these into a routine. So hopefully that helped. Um, I know I'm, I'm going to have to, to readdress these ones over and over again, but that's, if you're going to ask which one should you take there, that's it. Um, you don't really need any more for the majority of people. And yeah, that's it for this week. And I will chat to you guys in the next one.